0: Jay Mariotti here, and a TV commentator's expertise about sports does not give that person the right to spew political activism. How many times have I said that here? The latest analyst to lose a job for losing sight of one's professionalism is Don Cherry, whose days as a hot-button hockey opinion maker are finished after he ranted on Hockey Night in Canada, mind you, That Canada's new immigrants don't properly honor dead soldiers and veterans by buying poppies. This is what happens in a media business of excessive egos. Some people become so intoxicated by their own BS that they morph into megalomaniacs, forgetting that they are employed to discuss sports. Who wants to hear Don Cherry sound like a lunatic xenophobe on his Coach's Corner segment? Uh, A poppy.
1: Downtown Toronto. Forget it, downtown Toronto. Nobody wears a poppy. I'm not going to wait. He says, wait a minute. How about running it for the people that buy them? Now, You go to the small cities and you know you you know those the roads on roads you people love you, you they come here, whatever it is, you love our way of life, you love our milk and honey at least you could pay a couple of bucks for poppies or something like that. These guys pay for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys paid the uh, the biggest price anyhow i'm going to run it again for you great people and good Canadians that bought a poppy I'm still going to run it. Anyhow.
0: Now, to be clear, I am not a member of the Stick to Sports Club. Often on this podcast, we delve into politics as they pertain to sports. It's not my purpose to be an activist. And for those in my profession who want to be activists, please do that outside the profession.
2: Welcome to Unmuted with Jay Mariotti. The podcast devoted to making sports talk great again. Few have made more impact in sports media than Jay. And certainly, no one has been called more names. Some actually true. He's a fiercely independent lightning rod who has produced massive ratings for ESPN's Around the Horn, made powerful waves as a national and major market talk host, and ruled Chicago as a columnist for 17 years. For 17 years. Unmuted is a topical whirlwind that doesn't stop until all the news is analyzed. So here he is, back from his day job in Hollywood. Back from his day job in Hollywood. For the next half hour or so, or maybe 40 minutes, depending on the Lakers, Raiders, Trump, and Odell Beckham Jr.'s latest mood swing. The one, the only,
0: Jay Mariotti. Try as the doomsayers do to kill football in the American consciousness. Face it, this is a sport that manufactures thrills, and sometimes the eyeballs are glued. A classic Monday night game showcased the elegant brilliance of Russell Wilson, who has evolved into the consummate leader, one who extends plays and beats you with his guile and his escapism. Wilson is a more refined passer than the still-raw Lamar Jackson, and he showed it in converting three turnovers by a skittish Jimmy Garoppolo into touchdowns, then directing the game-winning drive with an escape artist dash on third down. Jason Myers did what his rookie counterpart, emergency kicker Chase McLaughlin, could not do, hitting the field goal that pushed Seattle to 8-2 and two and handed the 49ers their first loss. And whoa there on the Garoppolo love train, baby. Get it? I think Aaron Andrews does. Sorry, Aaron. Yes, his offensive line allowed him to be harassed all night by... Jadavian Clowney, Jaron Reed, in the Seattle defense. But Jimmy G was loose with the football. We're going to find out more about the 49ers in coming weeks when they face the Packers, Ravens, and Saints on consecutive Sundays, the latter two on the road. But this much is true. Nick Bosa and that beastly defense will be wasted if the Garoppolo offense doesn't get with it. Meanwhile, Wilson battles for the NFL MVP award with another thrill maker, the one in Baltimore who dominated Bill Belichick's best defense in years. And right now, I think that MVP race is a toss-up. <laughs> Amid his global takeover, all Lamar Jackson lacks right now is a defining badass nickname. Action Jackson, I think that's stale and trite. Smiley face, his choice is not going to resonate The Jackson jive, I think that requires musical knowledge and a certain forgiveness for Michael Jackson. So keep thinking, kids. Meantime, the NFL's newest superhero continues to build a robust MVP case in Baltimore, accounting for four more touchdowns with his feet and his arm in a blowout of winless Cincinnati. And those skeptics who once said Jackson should be moved to receiver because he didn't pass? Hello, Bill Polian. Well, they should be banished to racial stereotype island as Jackson delivered his second perfect passing rating this season, 158.3, joining Ben Roethlisberger as the only NFL quarterbacks to do so. On that spinning, juking, ankle-breaking, 47-yard scoring romp, you've seen it by now, his speed reached 18.59 miles an hour. Here was Lamar, loving life and simulating his moves, for the laughing media, yes, he has personality, too. You just have to dig.
1: Actually, I did it, um, what it was, Saturday at the walkthrough. I did it, and it actually happened in the game. That player the spin move? Spin move. How do you do a little spin in a walkthrough? They tell me I be violating the um, walkthrough rule because I'm always, like, jogging. But I'm really doing the walkthrough, so I don't know. I don't,
0: I don't. So you did it in slow motion? But when I did it in the water,
1: I already got hit.
0: And with Kansas City's stunning loss to Tennessee, which ruined the valiant return of Patrick Mahomes, the Ravens now in line for a home field advantage in the AFC playoffs. Look, we've seen dual threat quarterbacks for years in the NFL, but you're watching the quintessential run pass option threat of 2019 a guy ignored by 31 teams in the 2018 draft and chosen 31 picks after baker mayfield and 29 picks after sam darnold for now i think we'll just call lamar jackson the full maker the rest of the week 10 story comes shortly including critical losses by the saints chiefs and cowboys But first, the NFL's tanking sector has a new target today. Tanking for Tua has become bumming for Burrow, as in Joe Burrow, last seen being carried off the field on Alabama soil with his tongue sticking out. Now firmly immersed as football's next dynamic quarterback. Not only did he swagger into Tuscaloosa and shred up a Nick Saban defense, Burrow outperformed a gutsy Tua Tungavailoa in an earth-shaking shootout win that makes LSU the new favorite to win the national championship. Suddenly, franchises angling for the number one pick, such as the Bengals, who realize Burrow hails from southern Ohio. Now see flashes of Tom Brady and Joe Montana in Burrow, except Joe is not stationary, and he did run at will against those flailing Alabama defenders. He's no Lamar Jackson running the ball, of course, who is, but this kid can sling the football. You'll be seeing much more of Burrow in coming weeks. First, at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. He's the clear Favorite now, then in the college football playoff, possibly against Ohio State, the program he bolted as a grad transfer. Is this the new Joe Cool? Uh, he's loving life, just like Lamar, including the way his teammates lifted him after the win.
1: <laughs> that was uh, that was pretty special, you know, having these guys embrace me the way they have. Just some some quarterback from Ohio that came in last June for the season and and the way they've embraced me I can't say you know it's it means a lot to me that this entire program has embraced me and the whole state as well. You know one thing I want to make sure that we know is this wasn't our goal this year. We got we got more goals ahead of us. This we didn't we didn't go into the season and say we're we're going to go beat Alabama. You know we got we got more things ahead of us.
0: And who was the quarterback who forced Burrow to transfer at Ohio State quick quiz? Dwayne Haskins, who will be starting the rest of the season for the Washington Redskins, but I think we're going to be comparing Burrow and Haskins throughout their pro careers. For those of you who have ripped the transfer portal, I love that phrase, uh, look at how it has affected the college football season everywhere. It's affected Ohio State, it's affected Oklahoma, and now in the biggest way, LSU. And for those tired of Alabama like me, rejoice because the selection committee, barring chaos, should be looking right now at LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and the winner of Baylor, Oklahoma. That's what I said as the four playoff teams, as the Nick Sabans played poorly in the first half, lost their poise and their defensive mojo, and aren't demonstrably better than a one-loss champion in another conference, Scratch Bama. The NFL continues to roll as the great American sports machine, but when you watch Burrow and his cast, Clyde Edwards, Elaire, Jamar Chase, etc., put up 46 and a breathtaking pro style offense, with President Trump in the house stumping for optics and votes and some rare cheers, well, the college game still makes you kind of tingly inside, doesn't it? This has been a refreshingly different season with Ed Ogeron, he of the gravely the voice of the barrel chest, He talks something like this, <laughs> proving at LSU that he's a premier coach after previous disappointments at Ole Miss and USC. Think the Trojans wouldn't love to have Coach O right now? Let me have a hit of Ogeron here. He's finally number one after going 8-1 and one in his last nine matchups against top 10 teams. I am so happy for the state of Louisiana and all the LSU fans and our football team and our coaching staff. They worked very hard for this victory.
1: It's a much-deserved victory for our football team and our great state of Louisiana and our great university in LSU. Joe Burrow has
2: changed the way this team runs its offense. What does this do for his legacy as an LSU quarterback?
1: Hey, You know, he's one of the best we've had here. But we still got four games left, and we're going down the road. We're going to try to win every every game,
2: and we're going to bring a championship back to Louisiana.
0: Talk about powerhouse games coming up. 9-0 and Baylor hosting Oklahoma this weekend. If Baylor wins that game, they're 10-0. They don't and belong at number four. You've got LSU-Georgia in the SEC title game. You've got Ohio State versus Penn State, Michigan, and unbeaten Minnesota and P.J. Fleck in succession. Let the debates begin, as they always do, with even the forgotten Pac-12 lobbying for Oregon uh but no i don't think that's happening quack back to the nfl a league that wants to embrace legal gambling but cannot do that if its franchises are not forthright about injuries Did the Detroit Lions lie when they listed Matthew Stafford as limited in practice all week, then elevated him to questionable on Friday, then leaked on Saturday that his status would be a game-time decision before finally declaring him out on Sunday morning? That is a no-no. A situation where conceivably a Lions insider could leak inside information to the wrong people. Get it? The NFL is investigating. The NFL should be investigating. Sean Payton had a party the other night in the French Quarter announcing his engagement to his longtime girlfriend. He actually cracked a big smile in photos, possibly a first for Payton. But his scowls back after the Saints possibly blew NFC home field advantage with a no-show at home against lowly Atlanta, which repeatedly sacked Drew Breeze in a belated attempt to save head coach Dan Quinn's job. Atlanta has been sacking nobody all year. Suddenly, they get to Breeze in the Superdome. Now, were the Saints better with Teddy Bridgewater, who at least has mobility, if not Brees' Hall of Fame pedigree? I'm not going there. Peyton was in no mood to hear any questions after a penalty-filled collapse.
1: So, collectively, we've got to do a better job. That starts with me. And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those, it's not a lesson, but this this league is too good week to week where, you know, you can go in and, and not be focused and ready. This has always been a game played with emotion. And, uh, you know, I thought they outplayed us. They outplayed us, they outcoached us, and they deserve to win.
0: And I don't care if Mahomes is back to his dazzling, spectacular self playing pitch and catch with a streaking Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs will not be winning the AFC with a leaky defense and a battered O-line that still must keep Mahomes healthy after his dislocated kneecap issue and his ankle issues. The Kansas City defense could not stop running low Derrick Henry while allowing big plays to the decidedly mediocre Ryan Tannehill in that loss to the Titans, which drops the Chiefs behind the Patriots and Ravens in the AFC home field by race. On that point, this much is clear about the defending champion Patriots. They could be challenged in the AFC postseason by two of the NFL's three most explosive quarterbacks, Jackson Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, which might explain why Patriots owner Bob Kraft has informed Rob Gronkowski that he wants the tight end back for the playoffs. Yet seeing how Gronk has lost 50 pounds, loves being pain-free in early retirement, and is pitching cannabis on infomercials, assuming he's not using cannabis. Don't hold your vape breath on that. He's not coming back. Kraft knows he needs more weapons for Tom Brady, especially after watching Jackson, the foolmaker, shred his defense last week with Watson and Mahomes facing the Pats on back-to-back upcoming Sundays in a stretch that also includes the Eagles and Cowboys. Here was Mahomes talking about his injuries.
2: Yeah, I mean, the knee—the knee's feeling fine. Uh, just as we expected going into the game, uh, a credit to those trainers and that training staff of getting me ready to play. Um, but, uh, I mean, the knee feels fine, and I was glad to get through another game. What about the ankle? yeah the ankle the ankles good. Uh, we knew we needed rest for the ankle. We knew we needed to, some days off and so with, with having the knee, uh, I got to rest that ankle and I was, I was able to play and do what I, what I could do and and didn't i don 't have any pain there
0: and Something is wrong with the Cowboys when at home, Dalvin Cook carves them up on the ground, also catching the football while the Minnesota defense comes up clutch at the end and that something is coach Jason Garrett, who cannot win these games even when Dak Prescott is playing very well. As for the Vikings, I think they're the best team in the NFC North as long as they're getting good Kirk Cousins and not bad Kirk Cousins, which they will prove at home in their remaining showdown with the Packers behind Cook, the league's best running back. And Sean McVay's offensive juggernaut has been slowed to an unrecognizable slog. The prematurely overpaid Jared Goff committed three costly turnovers. He was pressured all night by T.J. Watt in that ferocious Pittsburgh defense. And the Rams are going to have problems making the playoffs. Not the way you sell expensive seat licenses in a luxurious new stadium. Cooper Cup, zero catches. One for 14 on third down. The offensive line is mushy, hole-ridden. Todd Gurley is healthy, yet still not being used the way he should be used. What happened here? McVeigh continues to force-feed Goff, and the Rams do look discombobulated. Uh, did you see the final minutes? They had two chances to take the lead. They did not. The Steelers, who made a killer midseason trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, are in the AFC wildcard hunt behind a fierce defense and a growing Mason Rudolph. Seems Mike Tomlin can coach after all, right, Terry Bradshaw? How about a mea culpa from... Terry, who, by the way, does a show in Vegas. I was in Vegas recently, and I did a double take. Terry Bradshaw has a comedy show in Vegas. And in the swirling snow of Wisconsin, a suspect Green Bay defense was pushed to within inches of its goal line in the last seconds by the Panthers. But Christian McCaffrey, who is not God... Unlike Bart Starr in the ice Bowl once upon a time, I'd be the only guy to bring that up, a Mariotti aside. See, I have perspective. I have historical reference points here. I thought of that in the snow when McCaffrey's on the one-yard line. Anyway, he came up short on the last play at Lambeau Field. Some better news for the Tundra folks. The skydiver who parachuted into the stadium at halftime is Okay. He was fortunate that the wall he crashed into was padded, and no, he did not proceed to do a Lambo leap. Not with that parachute all over him. Sorry, I'm not feeling the Packers anymore, and Aaron Rodgers needs to be more than a game manager. And Miami owner Stephen Ross traveled to Alabama to personally scout his next QB, either Burrow or Tungavailoa. Problem is, the Dolphins might have sabotaged their own tank job by beating the Colts, who are fading fast without Jacoby Brissett. Now, 2-9, and nine, the Dolphins are two games behind the potentially 0-16 bound Bengals It might not get either quarterback if draft night trades come into play. Remember, tanking never pays. Okay, it worked for the Astros and the Cubs, but... NFL, no. And Baker Mayfield finally did something to back up his bluster, his outbursts, and his dumb TV ads, rallying the Browns on a late 82-yard touchdown drive, them watching as Buffalo's Stephen Hauschka missed a field goal that would have tied the game. It's about time, Baker. And the embattled Bears coach, Matt Nagy, went counterintuitive on us, actually giving Mitchell, Trubisky, an increased passing workload when common sense suggested turning him into a mannequin. Somehow the plan worked with Trubisky throwing three scoring passes and surviving a shaky offensive line in that home victory over the Lions. I guess turning the TVs off at Hallis Hall and muffling the criticism worked for Mitch. What a shame, by the way, about Stafford, who was out with broken bones in his back. The latest setback in a star-crossed career that might never see him win a postseason game. And how bad are the Giants losing to the Jets in a New York stinker comparable to a garbage strike? Daniel Jones tried to bail them out with four TD passes, but he was punished by six sacks. Pat Shermer cannot survive this, can he? (laughs) And a little bit of love here for John Gruden, who does have the Raiders in contention for an AFC wildcard berth and might actually have fleeced the Bears when we thought otherwise. Trading Khalil Mack looked like career suicide last season for Gruden when the defensive terror led the Bears to the playoffs. But Mack's play has suffered this season amid the team's offensive woes. While one of the first-round picks Gruden acquired, running back Josh Jacobs, is headed toward Rookie of the Year honors. And because the Bears have struggled, the 2020 number one pick that Oakland acquired, seemed to be Vegas, looks like a top 12 sort of pick. And you saw Cleland Furl, try saying that five times, the Raiders' top draft pick this year. He had a breakout game against the Chargers. Gruden's rep took a hit when he was fired in Tampa Bay and spent too many years in the Monday night booth. But it seems he and general manager Mike Mayock, also from TV, have won us over. And as the Raiders depart Oakland, Gruden is very wise to keep visiting the infamous black hole as much as possible so as to soften the departure of the beloved Silver and Black. <laughs> And expect the world's wealthiest person, Jeff Bezos, to enter the ranks of NFL ownership, with the Seahawks a sensible target after the death of team owner Paul Allen last year. Amazon, of course, is based in Seattle. And all I ask of Bezos is this. Do not use drone technology to deliver concession orders to fans at the stadium. I'm seeing some glitches where all sorts of beer and mustard dumped on spectators and I don't want to be one of them. The multi-billion dollar cartel that is the NCAA is facing existential threats like never before from the likes of California Governor Gavin Newsom and his 2024 presidential running mate LeBron James. What? You think I'm kidding? That said, under-the-table payments continue to cloud big-time college sports, and sorry, but roles do remain roles for now, archaic, as some of those rules might be. It's fascinating how Ohio State football and Memphis basketball are taking diametrically different approaches to such violations. Ohio State's monster defensive end, Chase Young, who had been a Heisman candidate, accepted a loan from a family friend in 2018, though some reports say that friend was a NFLPA certified agent to help fly his girlfriend to L.A. to attend the Rose Bowl and then paid off that loan in April. I know it seems harmless enough, but you can't let one player and one program do this, and then you can't let him take four months to pay the money back, especially if the loan came from an agent, without allowing all players and all programs to do this. So until the NCAA is taken down, and that could be many years down the road, I believe the players and programs have to abide by these roles, and Ohio State wisely sat young during Saturday's route of Maryland by appeasing the NCAA the Buckeyes are hoping young's suspension is minimal and doesn't impact a torturous schedule ahead Have you seen this Penn State at Michigan a likely Big Ten title game against Minnesota, then possibly the college football playoff semifinal and final. So, nothing much is riding on the NCAA's decision on Young, only a national championship bid. With Young, the Buckeyes would be favored in a possible semifinal matchup against Clemson. Without him, I think they're vulnerable. Throughout this difficult stretch, this is yet another stain on the resume of Urban Meyer, who was Ohio State's coach at the time of the loan, and he addressed the situation on Fox Sports One.
1: I first uh, found out early in the week, and uh, I talked to Gene Smith, and just as
0: shocked as everybody. But I think, from my understanding, is the transparency. Chase and his family have been very forthright, which is the key whenever dealing with NCAA issues.
1: Uh, He's working with Ohio State, with the NCAA, to get this thing wrapped up. Uh, My understanding is, once again, the most important thing is transparency, honesty. He realized
0: he made a mistake. This is what I always appreciate appreciate about a guy like Chase. He made a mistake, he owned it, and he's working to get it corrected. Ohio State's cooperative stance is in direct contrast to that of Memphis, where the brash coach, Penny Hardaway, is prepared for a brawl with the NCAA over the eligibility of star big man James Wiseman, whose status as the possible top pick in the 2020 NBA draft is murky right now. Two years ago, before Hardaway became head coach, he provided... $11,500 in moving expenses to Wiseman and his family when they moved from Nashville to Memphis. Hmm, come on, that's just flat-out cheating, much like Kansas and Bill Self and much like these other dirtball programs in a toilet bowl sport. But by then, Hardaway at least had to have an inkling he was going to become the next coach at Memphis – And there was no doubt at the time he was an official Memphis booster by NCAA definition, having given the university a $1 million gift back in 2008 to help fund, get this, the Penny Hardaway Hall of Fame. He paid a million bucks for his own Hall of Fame. Still, that's a gift to the university, making him a booster at the time of the moving payment to the Wiseman Family, yikes, this is so nakedly dirty. I cannot excuse this. He was a booster in perpetuity, according to the NCAA, given the seven-figure nature of the gift. Question is, should a booster, especially one with his eye on the head coaching job, be allowed to pay for an elite prospect's moving expenses? Of course not. As the NCAA said in a statement, and I'm quoting, the University of Memphis was notified that James Wiseman is likely... Ineligible. Unquote. That was last week. Well, Hardaway, who must run that school now, ignored the NCAA completely, and he appeared in front of a Shelby County judge with Wiseman, all seven feet, one of them, and obtained a temporary restraining order against the NCAA. A lot of power. Penny Hardaway in Memphis. That allowed Wiseman to play last Friday night in a win over Illinois-Chicago, and Hardaway intends to keep using the big man, including Tuesday night in Portland against number 15, Oregon. He can make a visit to Nike! I have a commentary on Nike later in this podcast. Hardaway, no longer the fool of that Lil' Penny Nike campaign of years ago, does have his guns ablaze, and while the next hearing in county court is November the 18th. The NCAA could rule Wiseman ineligible before then with extended inactivity possibly costing him millions because, face it, NBA teams want to see him progress this season before making him a high lottery pick. If he is ruled ineligible, he's in limbo. Then what? And Memphis could incur a postseason ban. This is a big risk Hardaway is taking for the school for this kid, for his own coaching reputation. It's not as simple as freeing James Wiseman, as I read somewhere. If you make him eligible, you allow any coach at any program to pay the moving costs of any family of any top player. I realize coaches and administrators and universities are making billions off these kids, I get it. And yes, I would like reform as much as anybody, but... It's still sneaky and illegal to pay for a move for a family. Either let everybody do it, and that would be anarchy, or nobody can do it. Hardaway is willing to test the NCAA, which also said, quote, the university chose to play him, meaning uh, the big man, and ultimately is responsible for ensuring its student athletes are eligible to play, end quote. That means they're coming to get Memphis. Here's Penny
1: I know as much as you guys want to ask me about James, uh, I have to be silent on that because it's an ongoing process. Uh, I wish I could talk about it, but um, we just have to stay silent about it until we move forward. So anybody asking me questions, I'll just have to move past it and say I can't talk about it right now. Ben, I
2: understand you you have to be silent about this, but I just got to ask, why was, he, why was the decision made to allow him to play tonight, and will he continue to play while the injunction uh-huh. is
1: in place. I can't, I can't talk about the first part, but he will continue to play.
0: As for Lil Penny, uh, when contacted by me, he said he had no comment on the Wiseman situation, but he did add this.
2: What you guys doing? What are you doing? Hey, you know, the only time you guys yell box out is when you're out of donuts. You guys remind me of my shoe closet. I got one penny and a bunch of loafers.
0: To the NBA, where the worst owner in sports, James Dolan, has reared his ugly head again inside Madison Square Garden because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving preferred to sign with the respected New York franchise, the Brooklyn Nets. They didn't want to play for Dolan. Who does? The Knicks owner ordered his top chiefs, Steve Miller and Scott Perry, to make an unusual appearance at a post-game press conference to alert fans that management... Doesn't like the team's direction. This might be a precursor to firing coach Dave Fisdale. Everybody in that organization covers his own ass. So Fisdale would get the Ziggy, but he doesn't have a chance with this roster. Nobody would. Uh, Consider this. The Knicks are 165 and 337 on the watch of Steve Mills as team president. Dolan should be eyeing a new man for the top job. And word is he is doing just that. He wants Masai Ujiri, who turned the Toronto Raptors into NBA champs, and Dolan is said to be preparing a massive money package. But just as Ujiri was smart enough to win a title, I think he's smart enough to avoid Dolan altogether. And you are not human if you don't feel for Gordon Hayward, who finally had looked like his old all-star self after his long, arduous return from a shattered leg when, oh my gosh, he suffered a fractured left hand. Not only has Hayward been playing well, so have the Celtics, and here's hoping his recovery after surgery is swift. This simply is not fair. And LeBron James is thumbing his nose at all of us again, determined to add a triumphant chapter to a career filled with equal parts reverence and resentment. It wasn't long ago when we were disgusted with LeBron for sounding like a Chinese sympathizer, a selfish hypocrite when he sided with China in the Daryl Morey Hong Kong episode and forgot that his stance collided with the freedom of speech that LeBron so heartily embraces here in America. Nor was it that long ago when we were ripping James for caring more about his Hollywood ventures than playing defense in that debut Lakers season that was clouded by injuries and losing. But once Anthony Davis joined hands with LeBron, a mercenary joining the ultimate mercenary, as arranged by their super agent, Rich Paul, LeBron is re-energized this season and seeing a possible fourth title in a city, L.A., that has been slow too warm to him, he has been quick to boast in recent days, both on social media where he refers to himself as washed king, uh, not washed up, just washed, and in his post game interviews as the Lakers, who are buying into Coach Frank Vogel's defensive emphasis, at least until that loss to Toronto, have shot out to the league's best record. Yeah, you know what they say about great wine, right? No. You don't? <laughs> so who might want to tell her the age what?
2: Age as well. well. There you go. There you go. What kind of satisfaction are you taking that you've come back from injury and been able to play at this level, especially? Uh, it's, it's yeah. Yeah. That's it's
1: just my personal um, it's my personal motivation. You know, um, you know, I'm extra motivated to uh, you know, put myself in a position where I know I belong. You know, so it's my, my personal motivation <laughs> every single night I step on the floor to be you know, to be great. You know, I know the summer that I had I know um, the rehab that I had with my you know with my growing uh, I know how much you know I mean I was shoot I shot space jam for three months all summer you know my call times every morning was at 6.30 in the morning um, and I was in the gym at like 3:30, four o'clock in the morning before shooting for 12, 13, 14 hours. Um, if you follow me you've probably seen it a couple times um, um, uh, So you know I just know how much I put into my craft I know what's, I know what the main thing is. Um, even when I was shooting a movie, I know what was most important, and that's me, uh, you know, getting ready for the fall. And uh, I always had that in front of my mind. So, you know, it's just my personal, you know, it's my personal uh, pressure that I'm putting on myself. Which is, I don't really believe in pressure much, but um, you know, I, I believe in myself, and I know what I'm capable of. How
2: much of that? How much of that is drawn from the idea that there were people this summer more than ever wondering if you, you were washed?
1: Uh, well. I don't know, man, you know. Meet me made the cleaners.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to his point, LeBron immediately endeared himself to those of us who loathe the idea of load management, taking an indirect shot at his biggest rival right now, Kawhi Leonard, when he said, quote, if I'm hurt, I don't play. If not, I'm playing, end quote, LeBron. Thank you very, very much. I like LeBron today. Uh, this is in contrast to his Staples Center hallway rival, Leonard, who apparently has convinced the Clippers to rest him whenever he pleases, even when he says he's healthier than he has been in years, uh, to the detriment of the NBA, its TV partners, and the Clippers themselves as they try to make a dent in the Lakers' local dominance here in L.A. The NBA fined the Clippers fifty grand and rightfully so, for statements made by the team and coach Doc Rivers last week that, quote, were inconsistent, unquote, with Leonard's health. Rivers said Leonard was healthy and simply resting when he sat out that Clippers loss to the Bucks, all of which cheated ESPN out of an early Kawhi versus Giannis showdown. It cheated the fans who pay big money for that. I'm always going to side with the fans on these consumer issues. (laughs) The league was upset because in a statement released by the NBA office, Leonard, quote, is suffering from an ongoing injury to the patella tendon in his left knee and has been placed by the team at this time on an injury protocol for back-to-back games. So, somebody's lying here. It's Doc Rivers. It's the Clippers. Because, on one hand, Doc is saying he's healthy, and then when they spoke to the leg, Doc and the Clippers said he's not healthy. He has a patella tendon issue. If Kawhi Leonard has a patella tendon issue, issue he should be sitting more than one game he should be out for a while right what is going on here what is going on and why is rivers saying he's fine mistake doc he's trying to be honest with the media but how about being honest with the league and the media and everybody it's an issue of consumer fraud when teams demand big money for tickets, then don't deliver the best players an optimum entertainment value because they are arresting a star player more than five months before the playoffs, by the way. If the Clippers and other teams want to play these lame games, then issue partial refunds for tickets, parking, and concessions. I spoke about this last week because those experiences are very expensive. Here was Kawhi taking a shot at the NBA.
1: It was shocking, but it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. You know what I mean? I'm not a guy that reads the media anyway. Um, you know, we, we're going to manage it um, the best way we can to keep me uh, healthy. It was just disappointing, um, you know, that it feels like they want, you know, players to play if they're not ready.
0: In what will be great drama all season here in Basketball Hollywood... Right now, it's advantage Lakers and advantage LeBron, the anti-load manager. And does it matter when Damian Lillard goes for 60 points or D'Angelo Russell goes for 52 when their teams lose the games? No, doesn't matter. Now it's time for The Buzz, our deep dive into sports and life with Chris joining the program. Chris, when will sports commentators learn that their purpose in life is not to spew political activism during sports events?
2: Well, Jay, I think sports commentators here in America have learned, or I should say the United States of America, not just North America. They've learned that you're going to piss off at least half of the people, if not more. By making any sort of political statements. They stay clear away from it. And we know their bosses want them to stay clear away from it. Whereas in Canada, I, I don't think that there's that sort of climate, is there? I think, I think everyone was surprised that Don Cherry even went there. I don't know. I, I don't know a lot about what's going on in Canada. But somebody as beloved as him getting popped for something like this, I think that might be more of a wake-up call to everybody involved of, you know what, they'll get rid of anybody because he was a huge star to their broadcast and everything. So there you go, Jay.
0: Who knows if it'll ever really stop? And Chris, what is your Joe Burrow take? Is he the next great quarterback? Or seeing how Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Mitch Trubisky have struggled in the NFL, should we be taking a deep breath? A deep breath would
2: be nice, Jay, but uh, then what would we do every day, right? Joe Burrow looked amazing. I mean, it was an amazing upset. Tua looked amazing. But I remember when Sam Darnold looked amazing, and Baker Mayfield looked amazing, and Mitch Trubisky looked amazing, and... We're seeing, especially what happens is, and I think we're learning this with somebody like Sean McVay and the struggles the Rams are having, these players can be amazing in college. They could be amazing athletes. What ultimately is going to be important in the NFL, especially now with how strong and fast and dynamic the defenses are, is you have to have great systems. You have to have great systems. Or you just be amazingly gifted by Tom Brady, but Tom Brady, I don't think any of us remember him in college, right? So I think that's why we see so much inconsistency with a lot of these newer quarterbacks is because they do marvel people and they are unfamiliar. And then once those great defensive minds of the NFL and all these teams decide to zone in, what happens? They look completely different. That's why I think it's so important to take a deep breath before we say, oh, they're going to be a Super Bowl champion or they're going to be the next Tom Brady. Settle
0: down, everybody. And Chris, should Chase Young be allowed to take a loan from a family friend or an agent to fly his girlfriend to the Rose Bowl? And should Penny Hardaway a basketball legend and booster who eventually became the Memphis coach, be allowed to pay for the family of James Wiseman to move to that city about a year before he was named coach? I say nope, because if you let one program get away with this stuff, it opens a Pandora's box. Uh, Jay, I would say it's already a Pandora's box.
2: I don't have a problem with it personally, but I also don't have a problem with NCAA players getting paid. I don't have a problem with them taking endorsements. I don't even have a problem with the current system. You know why? Because everybody's making so much money. I think it's only fair.
0: That's my belief. It might be a liberal belief, Jay, but it's my belief. And Chris, is LeBron James back and ready to write a new chapter? And if he does reach the NBA Finals, you grew up here, how will L.A. receive him? So far, the local reception on a 1-10 to scale is about a 6 with Kobe Bryant as the 10. Can LeBron the mercenary ever be loved in a city, Chris, that adored Kobe through all of his travails because Kobe grew up here and he was here for the entire span of his career? No, he can't.
2: He can be loved, but not like Kobe because I think I, I mentioned this when LeBron went there. Kobe was a Laker from the beginning. We saw him grow up. He... He was a marvel. He was amazing to watch. He brought championships in, and then he retired as a Laker. LeBron, is, this is team number three, so I think he will never have that same admiration from L.A., but if he does win a title and he can bring them back and bring the Lakers into a championship, uh, Mark, I guarantee you he will make sure that Laker fans never forget him, and he will probably be the
0: one to put out there that he's somehow more loved than Kobe. Okay, thanks, Chris, which brings us to Quickies, which are just that quick. Expect President Trump to continue making visits to sports events in friendlier climates. Predictably, Trump was cheered loudly in Alabama when he and the First Lady were shown on the big screen scoreboard early in the Bama-LSU game. Booze from students were minimal, but a 32-year-old man was arrested and charged with knifing and deflating a baby Trump balloon stationed near the stadium. Trump is using his sports spectatorship to deflect from his political turmoil, but it doesn't help him when he is booed roundly at a World Series game in Washington and he got a mixed reception at a UFC event in New York. Trump's approval rating in Alabama is 59%, a figure approached only by Wyoming. Maybe he can find a rodeo in Wyoming. See, that's how you do a political discussion on a sports podcast. See? That's how you do it, Don Cherry. That's how you do it, Jamel Hill. That's how you do it, etc., etc. I don't care if they were gummies. The use of THC-infused edibles is prohibited in the NBA, and it is a serious matter when problem child Dion Waiters passes out than as a panic attack when he woke up on the Miami Heat's charter flight. This should remind sports leagues of the side dangers and being too lax about cannabis use with emergency responders forced to meet the plane on the tarmac in L.A. Waiters was suspended on opening night. He's been a mystery the past few weeks, hell, his entire career. What isn't a mystery is that he has had personal problems. The team needs to find him help. Gummies should not be on any team flight, In the Heat announced that they have suspended waiters for 10 games for accumulative misconduct. And did Michael Jordan, after consuming nearly two six-packs of Bud Lights with Jeremy Roenick during an all-day golfing binge, actually bet on himself to score more than 40 points and that the Chicago Bulls would beat Cleveland by at least 20 back in the day? And did Jordan proceed to score 52 in that game in a 26-point win. That's what Roenick, the hockey legend, is claiming happened in 1992. And sure enough, there was a game that March when Jordan did put up 44, not 52, in a 24-point win over the Cavaliers. Roenick says he called his bookie and put all the money he took from Jordan on the Cavs. Now, if this is true, shouldn't the NBA and the NHL be concerned? <laughs> okay, we know about Michael in gambling. Michael bet on himself to score more than 40. He's betting Ronick on his own performances. Is that betting on yourself a problem? You know, David Stern, did he ever look into this whatsoever? Yes, there was a full-scale investigation of Jordan, and I happen to believe that Stern a man of integrity, would have suspended Jordan if he found him guilty of actually throwing point spreads even if he's betting on his own stuff. I just ask this because Major League Baseball continues to ban Pete Rose for gambling on his own team. Ronick actually had a bookie at the time. Uh, I have no evidence Roenick ever bet on hockey, but uh, you know, I keep thinking about Pete Rose. The NHL should be very concerned about San Jose star Evander Kane, who is being sued by a Vegas casino for failing to pay back $500,000 in gambling markers given to him last April.
2: Hmm. And now a final Marriotti commentary too hot for ESPN, too smart for the Internet, and too chill for political activism. Take it away, Jay.
0: A visit to a Nike store the other day saw all three floors packed with shoppers, meaning the swoosh factory likely will not be impacted by Mary Kane's haunting story. But any educated sneaker and apparel buyer will pause and ask how Nike could actually employ an all-male staff at its Oregon project led by disgraced distance-running legend Alberto Salazar that allegedly allowed a culture of body shaming and physical and psychological abuse to fester within a company entrenched in American life and the sporting industry. Kane came forward in a New York Times video essay last week and spoke of rampant harassment and abuse starting back when she joined Salazar's training group as a 17-year-old running phenom eventually feeling so overwhelmed and humiliated over pressure to lose weight that she started to cut herself and have suicidal thoughts. Her story led other women in recent days in that program to go public with similar stories about Salazar, whose methods already were exposed as cutthroat when he was banned four years by the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency for conducting experiments with supplements and testosterone. The fact that those experiments were bankrolled and supported by Nike brings new and dark meaning to the longtime company catchphrase, you know it, just do it. And between this and Adidas's connection to the college basketball scandals, I don't know, maybe I'll just buy a pair of KEDS the next time I'm at a store. Do they still make KEDS? Yes, they do. That's our show for our producer and editor, Chris IMJ, reminding you to never, ever let anybody mute you in life.